Welcome, everyone, to the uh, Native American Wars podcast. I'm Greg Franklin. This is my buddy Mike Ramsey. And we're Skyping with our other buddy Fritz Beer from Asheville, North Carolina. Man, it's been a little while since uh, since we've done anything, huh? It's been a while, yeah. Well, good to well, be back. It, it is. is good to be back. Well, it's good to see you, Fritz. It's been too long. Fritz, <laughs> it's good to see you guys. I mean, it's Skype, but it's pretty good. I got to give these guys credit with the Skype. It's Fritz, a good program. Yeah. Fritz, Fritz moved to Asheville. I've started a new job. Mike's been busy litigating, and uh, so. We're ready to get back into the swing of things. So we're going to go with a short episode tonight about the different uses of dogs. Yeah, this is my favorite stuff, dogs. I love dogs. Uh, Not so much a cat guy, so I'm not going to cover any Native American cats, if there were such things. But... (laughs) But uh, I will I will go go ahead with the dogs because uh, well you know they're man's best friend right and, and tasty uh, from what I understand yeah apparently yeah uh, a, a cheap and easy source of protein let's put it that way okay uh, Mike we're gonna we're gonna talk about the different uses but we're also gonna talk about uh, their uses as war dogs a little bit right right we've got well it is Native American Wars yeah dot com all right? right so okay well as everyone should know from our earlier episodes. Native American peoples, the indigenous peoples of North America, didn't just spring forth out of someone's brain like Athena, or uh, you know, weren't created from mud, like some Native American legends might lead you to believe. But what basically happened is they crossed over Beringia in a well, I don't, we're not one hundred percent sure when, but in the tens of thousands of years ago. So you're probably curious, right? Because what are people without their dogs? You're probably curious as to if they brought dogs with them across the land bridge. And the answer to your question would be, yes, they did bring God, dogs. I was just going to ask that, Mike. Thank you. And uh, when those dogs came over and then when when the land bridge vanished because of rising oceans, etc., and uh, those animals, those dogs were over in the North American continent. They couldn't cross. They couldn't doggy paddle back across the ocean to get back so they stayed here and they developed into their own specific set of indigenous north american breeds of dog right so if we're going to do this chronologically which i think is a pretty good idea we have early evidence that the the first groups of of uh, indigenous peoples that came across the dorset peoples the uh, Thule peoples, when they came across, there's some sporadic evidence that some of them had dogs. And clearly, because we talked about this earlier, the Dorset were a little bit, uh, they didn't really interact with anybody and they didn't have any dogs. Okay, so so they came across and they had to haul all their own crap, as I think we talked about it. And, and the, the key thing, the key and cool and important thing about dogs is for the Thule people and the Proto-Inuits that came after the Thule people up in the northern area when they came across with their dogs they used the dogs to do cool stuff like haul their crap so so now we have a culture the 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 fool and the inwit that can hunt large mammals and carry the stuff with them because they've got dogs to carry they don't have to carry everything all all on their own and they didn't and they weren't using horses dogs took the place of horses basically yeah yeah there were except for not riding by by the time it, it appears it appears that at some point Horses, anything that came close to being a large horse in North America was extinct, mm-hmm. uh, hunted to extinction, or they died from some 
culture. I mean, who knows why they died? I, I'm, I'm not going to speculate about it. But we're, 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 we're digressing because we're talking about dogs here. So, the, now, as, as, we, as we said earlier, the, the Thule and the, the Proto-Inuits have brought their sled dogs across, and, and they populated all of Canada to Newfoundland. Um, those people were the last wave of population that came over across the land bridge. Lots of earlier cultures came, and they spread out and, and, went, and hooked their way down to uh, South America, I mean, all the way down to South America. So really, I guess, the earliest evidence we have of dogs is they found a 12,000-year-old dog's skeleton that's somewhat like the, a Peruvian hairless dog or a chihuahua or something along those lines down in Mexico. So we've got uh, some very interesting, cool little dogs that were being cultivated by the peoples who went down into that area. I um, couldn't help but notice that you said cultivated. Yeah, they cultivated them. They weren't feral. Now, later on, uh, and we'll talk about this, we might talk about this later, but later on, some of the indigenous species got away and became a lot of them became feral. Now, the thing you've got to remember about dogs is dogs are domesticated from wolves, and we actually uh, are able to genetically trace the dog's origins back to wolves in an area of North Asia, the Tamar wolf, T-A-I-M-Y-R, wolf. Those dogs apparently were the first ones that integrated, that humans integrated with. But you got to also understand that when, when you're talking about dogs, the whole point of dogs is they really don't go feral. I mean, dogs were bred and meant for a purpose to team up with humans. That's yeah. We picked them out and we decided to As long to as there's humans them. around, they shouldn't be feral, right? Right, right, right exactly. There, and, of course, there are feral dogs and stuff. Now and there's stuff Probably out there. Probably not that, by choice, though. Right, but but if, if given the opportunity, dogs will pal up. With, with peeps. So anyway, um, we have dogs, native dogs, indigenous dogs like the Chihuahua, which is still around, still exists, and it's uh, clear, a, clearly a genetic uh, uh, indigenous dog. And Peruvian hairless dogs from down in Peru, we have those, which are kind of cool too. The, the fun thing about uh, these dogs, the Chihuahuas and the Mexican hairless dogs, when they came down, they're, they're kind of smallish. And they're sort of easy to maintain. It doesn't take a lot to feed them, but they made a great source of meat. So, what what the uh, what a lot of the peoples in Mexico down through the the narrowing of the Isthmus of Panama and down into Colombia, especially people on the coasts, a lot a lot of what they like to do is was raise their dogs and, and then they would slaughter them uh, on special occasions where they needed protein. Uh, it turns out that when you have, especially chihuahuas, I guess, chihuahuas are way easier to hunt and kill than, like, fish. Yeah, or and they fit in a pot nicely. Sharks or, I mean, they're, it's, it's an easy and accessible source of protein, basically, is what it boils down Well, they're down right to. there next to you. They're your pal. Yeah, and, you know, there, there was, these are, these are uh, what I would consider to be very well-developed cultures that are, you know, Culture, you know, societies. The social structure of these of these cultures have priests and aristocracy. Well, just like nowadays, you know, you, you always see Paris Hilton or uh, Gwen <laughs> yeah, Stefani. I'm wait, I'm wait, They're always it. carrying these little chihuahuas around, right? Yeah. Well, if this were Mesoamerica and they were Aztec priestesses, they would be carrying the the dog around because they were stuffing to a feeding, din- to a dinner party, feeding little bits of pieces to fatten it up, ready for the slaughter. 
So Paris Hilton carries that chihuahua around in case she needs a, some protein Just, all of a sudden. Is it? Like a Slim Jim. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim. I got the feeling I need protein. <laughs> Snap the dog's neck. And, and chow down on it. Now, there, you know, there's... there's Tales and stuff of the of the the <laughs> say tales? Yeah, but, but they but the the Aztecs and the Incas would some some parts of their no not all the whole culture because they were actually revered. There's places where you can find these uh, statues of dogs, little stone statues that they made of these little dogs, and uh, they were revered to some extent by uh, by the by the priesthood and by the religious cultures. But you know when it when when it when you know push comes to shove, they're going to. Uh, they get hungry, right? There's no remember. There's no Burger King or McDonald's, so that's the closest thing. And they're pretty easy to pretty easy to catch, pretty easy to kill. And apparently, they were quite tasty. But definitely a sort of uh, a source of protein that they that they needed at the time. So uh, you know, we we talked about the Taino people, and they they are on an island. Well, they had dogs on that island too that the Spanish definitely identified as being dogs but the funny thing about the dogs that they had on the taino islands uh that they, they didn't bark everyone they were small and they were hairless and the legends seem to indicate they're all extinct now but the legends seem to indicate that they were mute mute puppies <laughs> right so uh they weren't so much guard dogs i guess yeah, well. but the the taino using them they're called alcos a-l-c-o-s alcos were the name of this particular breed of dog. I don't know. We talked a little bit about Taino uh, food sources and things, but mm. they ate a lot of rats, mm. right? And uh, and and lar- there was a large rodent called a, a hutia that that lived on the island, and, and they were uh, essentially like spiky, spiny rats. Is what they were. Like all inhabitants of the mangrove forest, the hutias remain permanently on guard. No one is safe in this shadowy maze. And they use these uh, hairless mute dogs to sort of run them down and catch them so that they'd have uh, nice rat protein for dinner, right? It's, I, can't, I can't express how important it is that people have a source of protein. You right, know, well, because yeah. uh, they, they definitely needed that. And like I said before, it's easier to, to catch one of these dogs or it's easier to have the dog run down a little rat than you have to run it down yourself. So, so they had, they definitely had a purpose. Well, dogs, know, dogs weren't kept for fun, right? I mean, it's a, keeping dogs as your pal is a relatively uh, new thing. I, you know, I would imagine. You know, I guess you would work your, you know, your working dog till he was on his last legs, and then you use it for a source of protein. And there you go. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Nope, not at all. The thing that amazed me by doing all this research is that the Chihuahua basically was raised and bred for food. <laughs> yeah, really. So, I mean, because yeah, every dog has a purpose. Like, the Thule brought over something, a, a dog that eventually turned into what we call the Greenland dog or the Canadian Eskimo dog. And these are lar- huge, large dogs. Okay. And, right. uh, like, you know, the that were useful, sled. That were useful for actual toil and that's why they had them because they were useful and once again in a pinch they could eat them i don't know if you guys know this but the uh the dog sled teams that uh explorers would use dog sled teams to like for instance this norwegian guy took a dog a bunch of dog sled teams he had 150 dogs across greenland 
when they got hungry, they would, uh, if they ran out of rations, they'd start eating the dogs. Right. Same with the, like, Scott Perry and all those guys that were trying to find the South Pole. Same thing. <laughs> and vice versa. Right, exactly. Wow. <laughs> the, they didn't fare so well. They ran out of rations and stuff. But but the point right. is... It's like guys that climb Mount Everest. Right. I mean, if uh, they get hungry, they eat a Sherpa. I, I is that not right? I, no? I think I think I, th- that's, I thought I heard that. No, those are humans, Fritz. That's that's reserved for uh, South Pacific mm-hmm. Islands and and certain of the uh, Aztec uh, culture, which we'll talk. Uh, we're not going to actually talk about the Aztecs because they're not North American. But to get away from all that stuff, uh, it's really interesting because when you look at at depictions of dogs from even like the Plains Indians from North America. They had dogs too, and their do- you know dogs spread all the way across the country, but you see these dogs that are now extinct. They were mutts, clearly. We're mutts. Here's proof. His nose is cold, but there's no animal that's more faithful, that's more loyal, more lovable than the mutt. <laughs> and, yeah. and there's and there's a certain type of dog that it resides on the east coast that they found a feral colony of called the Carolina dog. Which is a feral dog. Carolina dog. The Carolina dog is a primitive dog from America. It is thought to be an immediate forefather of the Native American dogs that escorted the first human explorers in western part of the world. Anyway, those so those are native dog, Native American dogs, right? And when we're talking about when, when we're talking about the context of, of what I'm going to talk about next, I happen to be a big fan of dogs. And even feral dogs. But, yeah, uh, by the yeah. Mike does have two very large, nice dogs. I don't see any smaller dogs. I mean, I may have gotten here too late for, right. for, the, for the Easter feast here at the Ramsey House. Did you miss dinner? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, the, part of the reason that I think it's funny is because chihuahuas, to my, in my mind, are a lot more like cats than they are like dogs. But I, mean, I like a big dog, right? Big dogs. So I've, I have shepherds and. And uh, Australian shepherds and German shepherds and big dogs. So, yeah. But anyway, I know they're nice and they're nice dogs. Chihuahua is the first thing you want to do to a Chihuahua is bash its skull in. Yeah. Admit it. Basically, that's the first thing you want to do. That's probably what happened. And then they went, "Hey, well, let's eat it. I guess we might as well eat this." <laughs> we killed it. We might as well have a taste. Yeah. We just lost our. We just lost our AKC audience, guys. It's true. It's true. I'm sure the Chihuahuas have a purpose nowadays too. Yeah, yeah, we did have a huge AKC audience. Yeah, of course, <laughs> among our 70 followers, right? All right, now let's let's talk for a second about okay, we're, we've we've talked about the dogs as as sled dogs up north, and and we've talked about the the dogs down south, which were as a food product or a, a companion dog for the priests and stuff like that. But they were small dogs, okay. Over on the other side of the ocean, in Europe and uh, in Asia, in particular, because this is where they come from, we have people who are, in essence, in a continuous and constant state of warfare with each other. And we're talking about from Japan through China all the way to Europe, we have people constantly warring with one another. So at some point, somebody thinks to themselves, hey, look at these huge dogs. Let's 
develop them into some sort of a weapon. Let's weaponize these things. So, which, of course, that's what you'd think, right? If you're a, for instance, if you're a South Asian tribesman that are, that's used to... to uh, Let's weaponize the dogs. To riding your horses and shooting arrows, what's the most natural companion for you as a, a coursing dog or a, a giant war dog? And so, war dog. So we have uh, the... The development in uh, on the Asia on the steppes of Asia, so to speak, we have the development of these huge mastiff type dogs that are in the hundred pound, hundred and fifty pound range. They're developed specifically to wage war on your opponent. Now, back in the old old days when these dogs were beginning to be developed, the dogs would uh, have pretty good luck against people because there wasn't a lot of good armor. For instance, if you were fighting uh, your 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 uh, uh, Malmuk uh, Turk, right, uh, with with uh, you know leather armor or something, on the dog could get a, a grip on you, and they would have a pretty good job if they knocked you down of chewing you up and getting some arterial bleeding going and whatever, right? Or just subduing till uh, somebody had a chance to come over and finish you off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they developed these animals, and as they come into Europe. The Europeans, the knights and such, are very impressed by these dogs, the medieval cultures. And so they start to buy them, and it turns out it becomes like by the, by the time Columbus comes around in the 1400s, early 1500s, this is like a prestige industry. Right. Breeding these giant animals called allounts, A-L-A-U-N-T-S, allounts. They, uh, they were raised in England. They were raised in Spain. They were raised in France, in Italy. Breeders bred these dogs specifically for ferociousness and for uh, for size and all these things. And in Europe, we have kings giving each other, you know, these dogs, big giant war dogs, right? And the Spanish, tur- turns out, you know, who would thunk? The Spanish, perhaps the cruelest people around at this time, are, they're the master breeders of these right. things. Okay? And, th- and this is this is one thing that. Until doing the research for uh, on the conquistadors and everything, I had no idea of the extent that war dogs were used. I, it, especially the Spanish in the New World, the use of war dog, the war dog was extensive. Armor, really? armor for the dogs. They were terrifying. I mean, they were. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm, that's what, what I'm getting what were their to. Adversaries in the New World wearing. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. Uh, they, the, of course, when Columbus comes over and he discovers everything, everybody else gets, you know, gets tied into this. And Columbus's second voyage, when he came, came across, he brought all these other Spaniards with him. And at this point, they're going to create a settlement. So they bring horses, pigs, chickens, uh, citrus stuff. They bring all the stuff that's, that's going to spread out all over the New World. And, of course, they bring dogs. You've got a culture where you have dogs that are little bitty that are made to eat. And then here come the Spaniards, and they bring these dogs across, and they're massive, 100, 150-pound dogs. <laughs> bred specifically to kill. And there were packs of them. They had 50 to 100 in a pack that they would unleash. <laughs> and they were, they were armored. They had steel armor for these dogs. In essence, the Aztecs had a well-developed military culture. In fact, they'd conquered every tribe in the region and were exacting tribute from them. And they, they had a phalanx type of a formation that they would use when they attacked or when they defended. And the Spanish used these dogs and their armored-up horses, which were, that was even, you know, 
a ten, ten, yeah, a ten was, horse cavalry was the, like was the a sh- steel German tank of the day. Yeah, yeah, I mean you couldn't touch them, and the dog you couldn't touch the dogs either. And so the the Aztecs had onyx at the best onyx bladed weapons and and a beaded armor of some sort, and the dogs would just tear the shit out of. And they could they couldn't stand up to these dogs, and the yeah. the dog's armor would have steel spikes out of the chest, you know. So, just imagine when you come home, your dog runs up to you and jumps on you right with his chest and hits you with his chest. Well, that would be steel sharpened steel spikes that would drive themselves right through the Indians, right? right. Through the indigenous peoples, excuse me. But but that's could you imagine on a yeah you want to make, you want a, to say indigenous yeah. when you're talking about slaughter like that? Good grief! There, I mean, this is these dogs were bred for this. And and the, the the native peoples, the Aztecs and the the other peoples that these dogs that faced these dogs, they didn't think they were dogs. These were some sort of sort of terrorist monsters, some sort of beasts that the Spanish were were in league with the devil and had, Satan had spawned these things from the bosom of the pits of hell. Although they didn't have that, whatever the comparative was for hell. But anyway, that these dogs were were savage and uh, had a t- incredible terror effect on, right. on, on well, all the native people. I'd like to, I'd like to say we're not we're not discussing this just because I mean because it's a bloodthirsty uh, interesting thing this was important enough for us to discuss this I mean these uh, war dogs with the conquistadors and everything were a major part of their military repertoire that's why I wanted to discuss this because I had no idea to the extent that these animals were used in this in this situation they were a very significant part of the military uh, regime, you know. I mean, they they were used a lot. I mean, sometimes they were used to break up a formation, you know, and sometimes they used them just out of uh, cruelty and meanness to to control as, as torture, yeah. you know. The, they they um, were they were a weapon a weapon of terror to to awe. I mean, no one wants to get eaten by a giant animal, right? And but, and, yeah. and frankly, the Postilion's dog that. Bessarillo. Bessarillo was, he actually is, is credited with something in the, you know, 90 or 100 in, in native peoples killed. That dog was sicked on X amount of people and, and killed X yeah, amount of yeah, people. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of legends. I mean, they have this, they have documentation of like, uh, you know, and, and who knows how much this is uh, not true, but uh, of Bessarillo killing 30 Native Americans in a battle. You know, I'm, I, I can't hardly believe that myself, but, you know, these dogs were a significant force. Like I said, this the, there's documentation of this animal being paid the same as a regular soldier. <laughs> they were brought wherever the conquistadores yeah. went. DeSoto used them extensively, not so much as an offensive weapon, but just to 
hunt people down and you know create havoc and create terror well and these yeah. these dogs this this particular breed these allowance that came over or, with the or spaniards they're... spanish mastiffs right. they were all you know you'd think of greyhounds not being that vicious or whatever but i guess they bred greyhounds with these mastiffs and and uh we'll post some pictures on uh, the website with these uh with dogs in their armor and they're they're terrifying yeah you know yeah. Hey, you, well, you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about Leoncito? Well, Leoncito was the son, was a pup, one of the pups of of Besserio. Besserio, which uh, Besserio was De Leon's dog, and he gave one of the puppies to uh, uh, Balboa. Leoncito gained recognition in his own right, but one thing that I found just great was he he was Balboa's dog, which made him the first dog to ever see the Pacific Ocean. There you go. <laughs> Uh-huh. The first dog to the Pacific Ocean. It's beautiful. But anyway, Leoncito was uh, is as famous as Bessarillo in his own right. He's just as murderous as... Uh, yeah. So, so um, none of the dogs came across the, the Bearings with any of the other peoples that came across the, the Bering Straits saw the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> no? We're good talking, point. We're talking, Very good point. I'm sorry, the first European dog... Oh, okay. <laughs> See, that's Greg showing his Eurocentric, uh, his Eurocentrism there. So you know, later, later on, later on, we have dogs coming coming across uh, from Europe all over the place, and so we have our lovely breeds that we have today. Uh, dogs coming over from all over, you know, Egypt and uh, you know Siberia and England. You know, we have bulldogs. Anyway, all these dogs are here now, and they're all beautiful, but. They've, uh, for the most part, they've eradicated. There's only a few breeds in the United States now that you can trace, you can actually genetically trace back to indigenous really? dogs. Yeah, there's not many. Yeah. Chihuahua is one of them. They have the Peruvian hairless dogs, another one. This Carolina dog, although it's basically a mutt breed, uh, there's some evidence that genetics can trace back to those dogs that they first brought over from Asia. So, anyway, uh, that's so far, that's the story of dogs. Uh, okay, so and, and we'll 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 integrate more dog stuff into the war stuff when it becomes relevant. Like uh, we're sorry if we offended anyone with this episode, but I tell you what, like I've I've said, uh, the extensive use of these dogs in a military aspect was really interesting to me. I didn't realize that this actually went on, and we thought it was interesting enough to discuss. So absolutely. Anyway, I guess we're gonna call this one. That does it. All right. Scooby <laughs>